0: Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Corporate Pilot Guys podcast. This is actually our 21st episode. And in this episode, we're going to
1: talk about aircraft pressurization. How are you doing today, Rob? I'm doing really well. It's much warmer. We were at minus 50 degrees the last time we were talking, I believe. We were recording about podcasts, but it's been really, really cold here. And I'm I'm talking really cold. It was cold here last week. We got down to
0: minus one, I think. Right now, as I look at the temperature on my computer screen, it is 55 degrees Fahrenheit. So almost, what, 13, 14 degrees Celsius. So a huge turnaround in in the weather. But also, same here too. Last week, as far as what we've been doing and speaking of the weather, I was under the weather. I'm Mm -hmm. recovering from the flu. I was sick um, for about six days, and I'm pretty much back to normal now. I'm happy that that's over
1: with. That was not an enjoyable experience. No, no. <laughs> but it's just that tis the season. It is. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on right now. So everybody take care of yourselves and get good rest and all that kind of stuff. Yes, and if you're sick, don't go to work. Yes. Stay home because this stuff just
0: spreads like wildfire. Two of my kids were home sick with the flu. Guess who stayed home with them?
1: And then guess <laughs> who got the flu? Me. So we're going to talk about um, something that's definitely in the news right now and has to do with uh, a certain aircraft um, losing a plug-type door in flight. And we just wanted to kind of, first of all, talk about, well, how would that affect um, a corporate jet aircraft? Does something like that happen? And could that even happen on a corporate jet? And uh, But the whole idea here is about pressurization and oxygen. And Tim, you're going to talk a little bit about what pressurization is in regards to an aircraft cabin we're going to make it as simple as possible so if you
0: take a balloon like not a regular round balloon one of those long ones that clowns make funny animals with mm-hmm. let's do one of those because that's the shape of an airplane fuselage if you blow up that balloon and you keep blowing it up well that balloon is going to keep expanding the pressure inside that balloon is going to increase but say you don't want that to happen you want the pressurization the pressure inside that balloon stay at a certain uh, pressure differential or a certain pressure to control that you wouldn't have a tiny hole in that balloon that you can open and close and regulate that pressure which that is in a very simple way exactly how aircraft pressurization works so the airplane fuselage is the balloon bleed air coming in from the engines goes through an air cycle machine Uh, heats or cools the air, more than likely it's heating the air. That air is constantly coming into the fuselage, increasing the pressure inside, and some of that air will be released through an outflow valve or two. some airplanes have two outflow valves, some airplanes have just one, and a constant uh, differential pressure is maintained. And that's essentially how aircraft pressurization works. There are times when the balloon or the fuselage Fuselage can be overinflated. Mm-hmm. That is overpressurization, which means that's usually there's an outflow valve problem. It's it's closed when it should be open. Uh, when that happens, the air is still constantly coming in, and that pressure inside gets greater. And then there's also aircraft underpressurization, where the aircraft is pressurized, but it's not pressurized enough. The the psi or the differential is too low. Right. That could be. The outflow valve is working correctly, could be having issues also letting too much air out, but it also could
1: be there's not enough pressurized air coming into the cabin. When you start your engines on the ground and your aircraft, and let's just remind everybody again, what airplane that you fly? Gulfstream G200. Okay. So once you start your engines in the airplane, you close the door and all of that. So where's that air that everybody's breathing coming from? The engines okay is um so in our in in the challenger it's kind of the engines but initially it's actually from the auxiliary power unit which we eventually we shut down after we take off there is that too right yeah same process either way so the idea for us though is that we basically don't use the engines to pressurize the aircraft for takeoff we use an auxiliary power unit And it has different modes and without getting into complexity it's computer controlled which i'm sure yours is as well and there's different um modes that it goes through so our goes our system goes through what they call a pre-pressurization mode a takeoff abort mode and flight modes and then there's something called a flight abort mode so anyways all these different computer modes essentially there's a whole bunch of um systems that are working but when our aircraft is, uh, we advance the thrust levers for takeoff, the airplane begins a pressurization of the cabin. And what, we, what we're trying to do, Tim, is we're trying to avoid that noticeable pressure bump that you get in your ears. So other airplanes I've flown before, like the Hawker, for example, we actually turn the pressure off during takeoff completely. We, because we wanted to offload the engines completely. And then once we got into the air, we would turn our, um, our pressurization system on. And there's another word for that, but without getting into it, it would, there'd would be a rush of air that would come into the cabin. And, uh, you would definitely know when you turn those switches on. When I flew Astrojets,
0: we would use that at mountainous airports because the pressurization air is taking, uh, I guess an easy way to put it, it's taking power away from the engine that bleed mm. air off the engine is going somewhere so it's taking power away from the engine with the pressurization system on we could turn that off and get a 0.3% increase in performance by turning the bleeds off and we would do that to get better performance and then you get in the air you turn it back on current airplane i fly there there are no book numbers for that so we don't even do that procedure theoretically it
1: would help but there's no numbers saying that you can do it so obviously we can't do it I I guess the only time that we would not take off pressurized would be if we have had a situation where we de-iced the aircraft Mm -hmm. and we thought that there was potential for that de-icing fluid to go into our APU. So we've turned the APU off, the auxiliary power unit, that little jet engine in the tail, Um, and then we take off unpressurized, which is, to be honest with you, not a very fun thing. You can feel it in your ears Mm -hmm. a lot. And when you turn on the pressurization, you feel it you're in your ears a lot more. So I've done it yeah, I've done it a couple times, Tim, and it's not fun. We will turn the bleeds
0: off when we are getting de-iced. We'll de-ice with the engines on because usually you're getting de-iced and you're going quickly. Mm-hmm. But we will do that as well, but we'll leave the bleeds turned off for two minutes with the engines running to get all that de fluid blown through the engines if there's any residual. Because otherwise, when you go back to your... T- turn your pressurization source back to both, meaning it's taking air from both engines. Mm-hmm. If that fluid's in there, you're going to
1: smell it, and it's going to it's going to stink. Yeah, the, the big thing for us, Tim is if if the actual aircraft fuselage, like the top of the plane, has to get sprayed because it's covered with a whole bunch of ice and that kind of thing. That's when we're concerned about it. Generally, when we're doing uh, type one spray, um, you know that that red fluid or the the heated fluid that you would yeah. see sprayed on airliners once that if that's sprayed on the top of our aircraft then we're going to be very concerned about that going into our air conditioning packs and uh, that would cause a whole bunch of bad smells and that kind of thing in the cabin so that's when we take off unpressurized but it does it's not a normal thing we don't do it very often so that's how our pressurization system works and some basics on how we operate it and
0: as far as the operation of it you know. Airplane I fly and what you fly, we set a cruise altitude and then we'll set an altitude for landing field elevation. Other than that, we don't have to touch it or do anything. But if we have a problem with pressurization,
1: what do we have as a backup? We have oxygen and specifically we have an oxygen tank, um, kind of like, a. An oxygen cylinder that you might use for scuba diving, that kind of thing. But this is much larger, huge. Yes, yeah, it's 115 cubic feet is a typical 2600 liter, and it's pressurized mm, 1400 to you know 1900 psi kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But we don't put normal oxygen that say you would have in a scuba tank in. We have special oxygen, don't we, Tim? We do. And unlike unlike medical grade oxygen that has moisture in it,
0: aviation breathing oxygen does not have moisture in it. For one, you don't it, it will freeze at high altitude because it's minus fifty six degrees Celsius at cruise altitude most of the time. way so it would freeze, and also to expand, a lot of damage would be done. But also when you needed it, chances are it's not going to work because the who knows what would be frozen. So mm-hmm. our aviation breathing oxygen is moisture free.
1: Yes, and we use oxygen for a number of things in our aircraft. So if we if there was an emergency which we're going to get into here in a minute, we use it for the the flight crew to be breathing 100% pure oxygen, unfiltered, anything um, sorry filtered, but um, not any no ambient air coming into it. It's just be breathing 100% pure oxygen. Maybe is breathing oxygen. Um, so we would use that in a smoke situation. We would use that in emergency descent, that kind of thing. We also have the ability to tap off of the oxygen. And so let's say a passenger wasn't feeling all that well and they needed emergency first aid oxygen, we can actually uh, set up a system in the back um, in our corporate jet and provide uh, emergency oxygen for them as well. Yeah, and we have that as well. And that o-
0: there's also a specific oxygen mask for that position. And that oxygen mask usually has a depending on the size of the cabin, but I would say a fifteen to twenty foot um tube attached to it. So if somebody's breathing that oxygen, they can move around the whole cabin while on that oxygen mask,
1: yeah, and and the proper term for that is actually therapeutic oxygen. Yes. And there's a there's basically a point on the side of the plane inside that you connect it into and uh, in the passenger compartment on the outside of the plane there's actually a ground servicing panel this is something that tim and i would do during pre-flight inspection making sure that the oxygen that we think that we have on the plane is actually there so we open up a little panel have a look at the gauge see it's there and then we have indicators uh in flight that we can actually see the pressure of the of the cylinder and making sure that that's all good We also have a portable oxygen bottle on some aircraft, and that's basically an independent oxygen bottle that we could use in a situation for first aid and that kind of thing. Yeah, and we can
0: also turn the oxygen on and off
1: from the cockpit. If
0: there's a switch in our airplane, it's on the co-pilot side up in the front. There's a, a green switch for oxygen, so you can actually turn the oxygen on and off. Why would we want to ever turn oxygen off? Well, there's two reasons. Mm. But
1: what are some reasons why we would want to turn the oxygen off? Um, if there's a fire, we don't want to put oxygen in that fire type situation. That that's probably the most critical thing. And um the the other one being is that we, we want to stop the oxygen supply to the drop down masks. That that could be the situation. Yeah. Or if a mask is leaking and
0: you leave your oxygen switch on you go away from the airplane and come back three days later you
1: don't have a depleted oxygen tank right so this kind of leads us into um, you know what's happened previously in the news here where the we'll just call it the plug type door came off the aircraft obviously there was a rapid loss of pressure in the in the cabin and this is something that we all train for every single year that we go to this to the simulator And that kind of leads us into something called time of useful consciousness, Tim. And time of useful consciousness can
0: change from person to person. It can depend on factors such as weight. Are they a smoker or not? What kind of physical shape are they in? Um, How high are they? Uh, Time of useful useful consciousness at 45,000 feet I believe is 7 or 8 seconds. Mm -hmm. But that's usually best case scenario. So you would have if you had explosive decompression, you would have seven seconds to get your mind around what you need to do to get your oxygen mask out of the little compartment that it's in and put it on, put it on and start breathing oxygen.
1: Yeah, so for an airliner, typically, you know, 35,000 feet to 40,000 feet is kind of normal. Um, this is an FAA number, uh, flyable 350, 35,000 feet normal if you if a normal like non-rapid decompression you'd have about 30 to one 30 seconds to one minute to have time of useful consciousness but if there's a rapid decompression like had happened on that certain aircraft recently it goes way down to 15 to 30 seconds and at the higher you go like so if we're at like 40 my my airplane can't go up here this high but forty three thousand feet you have five to six seconds of useful consciousness so tim and i practice um in the simulator to get those oxygen masks on very very quickly i'm talking about the crew oxygen masks the one that are you know located beside us they're in a box typically um do you want to describe how to put those on tim yeah there's you you pull
0: them out of the the box or the little compartment there's two red tabs on them they're eros 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 masks there's two red tabs on them. You squeeze those tabs and it shoots oxygen into uh, the mask and there's, um, I guess, rubber hoses, rubber tubes that go around it and those are inflated. You put it over your head, let go of those red tabs, and this thing just sucks down onto your face. It's like being attacked by an alien. Um, And then from there, you're able to, to breathe, just demand oxygen. Or you can put it up to 100%, um, which is 100% oxygen, or you can
1: go EMER, which it pressurizes it. It just pumps oxygen and it's like forced breathing. Yes. Yeah. And every airplane is going to be different. Some airplanes have, you know, if there's a smoke problem, like there's a, you know, uh, cockpit smoke, you're going to have goggles that you're going to put on. And, yeah. you know, that's kind of beyond what we're talking about. But and then so- you're going to want an emergency oxygen because it's going to be pressurized because, there's also a vent on the front of those
0: oxygen masks that you can p- pop that down, put smoke goggles on, and that vent that you opened is going to blow oxygen into your goggles
1: and exactly. keep your goggles clear of smoke. And if you're really fancy, almost like a fireman, some aircraft actually have a full face mask, which I would love to have. I think all airplanes should have them, to be honest with you. Um, and because it's really, really hard to see um with with that uh, mask on and thankfully i've never had to do it and knock on wood i never will exactly i'm the same way i don't want to back up real quick on uh two things we talked about
0: explosive decompression Mm -mm. and rapid decompression i just want to hit on the differences so rapid decompression well let's do explosive first explosive usually there's a catastrophic failure something happened a window blew out the door blew off, something. There's a big mm. hole in the airplane. The airplane immediately goes from from an altitude of 7,000 feet to outside or ambient pressure, which you may fear 41,000 feet. That's going to be a huge change in, in pressure. You're going to mm-hmm. feel that. Your lungs are going to maybe get sucked out of your body partially or collapsed, who knows. Eardrums are going to... You're going to have all sorts of issues. Yeah. But then rapid decompression both are bad but rapid decompression usually you have time to get down you have time to take a corrective action the airplane's depressurizing but it's not depressi- depressurizing at an instantaneous rate it's a the cabin altitude is slowly increasing to ambient pressure but you have time to do something whether it's uh, troubleshooting your pressurization system or doing a descent uh, most people will do both of those things. They'll start a descent first, get down, and get on the way to a safe breathing altitude. Mm-hmm. While you're running checklists, don't. It would be silly to stay up high and and run checklists for a rapid decompression
1: when you're going to have issues. Right, it's just getting down. Well, we could, maybe some people will remember because um, we're talking corporate jets here. There's a famous accident with Payne Stewart in the layer 35 and in that situation i believe anyways is there was a very slow loss of oxygen cabin pressurization and you know they just probably just went to sleep and yeah. it just it, there, so the, the whole idea here is if you you feel kind of funny um you know whatever it may be is just grab that oxygen mask put it on and then think about it later because i know you tim have been into Simulators where they actually show you what it's like to lose pressurization. Is that correct? Yeah, it was an altitude
0: chamber. There was a the group of us in college that went to Andrews Air Force Base and we got to go into the altitude chamber and actually feel the effects of hypoxia. They took it up to twenty five thousand feet or the pressure equivalent of twenty five thousand feet. And you took your oxygen mask off and just sat there until you noticed your symptoms of hypoxia and what they did to us was took the mask off and they said, when you notice three symptoms of hypoxia, put your mask back on. And that's what we did. I uh, I noticed the uh, color vision started to go out. Things started to turn gray. Uh, I wasn't thinking clearly. Uh, I can't remember what the other stuff was. This is 25 years ago. Yeah, But it's still good to know what your symptoms are of hypoxia and to know when to put that mask on so that's that's nothing's worse than having a safety mechanism there that can save you and not
1: using it exactly so that I mean that's why the pain steward thing is so you know such a horrible thing is that it probably happened over a period of time and you know everybody just essentially went to sleep. They didn't take action. They didn't put their mask on, and they didn't feel those things that you just talked about. Unfortunately, and quick enough, right. or didn't recognize them.
0: Yeah, the so, pressurization is one of those things you just you do not want to mess with. It. it seems like oh, it's not that bad, but you've got an oxygen mask. Put it on. Wear yeah. it to a safe altitude. Putting more oxygen in the airplane is usually not a problem and it's not that expensive. And chances are you're not going to even use enough to get to a low enough level that's going to prevent you from flying again. But even then, who cares? If it's there, put it on. If you if you feel like you need it. And you might not even have a pressurization issue. It could be who knows what you're doing. But even these airplanes flying with cabin altitudes of 8,000 feet, you could still possibly get hypoxic if
1: you're there long mm-hmm. enough. Put an oxygen mask on. It's there for a reason. So we're going to move into pa- passenger oxygen discussion here really quick, but I just wanted to say one thing when I was doing training, this uh, is actually in Teterboro, New Jersey. at the- Yes, I've been there. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm sure you have many, many times um, at the Dassault uh, Falcon training facility there. Um, one of the very, very senior guys, and he's an ex-DC-10 captain, He said it's really important that flight crew know exactly where their oxygen mask is and how to put it on with their eyes closed so i really encourage anybody who's a professional pilot to just practice putting on that oxygen mask knowing where the switches are knowing what it feels like with your eyes closed so you can have a really good idea of because i mean who knows maybe the windshield blows out in front of you you can't see i don't know but just just it's a i I thought it was always a great thing to uh to practice
0: yeah and also another thing to check part of the pre-flight and i don't know maybe you found this as well make sure that the oxygen mask is stowed correctly yeah there have been times where it's not stowed correctly and part of that mask being a quick donning oxygen mask is that it's stowed correctly that's right it might be stowed incorrectly and you go to
1: pull it out well guess what it's stuck yes so practice 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 really important in aviation uh let's talk about passenger oxygen so in the situation uh where that was in the news recently here tim the uh there was some major problem there was a rapid depressurization and maybe even an explosive one and all of a sudden the passenger oxygen masks deploy is that something that the crew did or is that an automatic thing both yeah it could be both right so yeah on our aircraft we have on the right hand side we have a little unit the passenger oxygen control panel it has different modes it has closed normal and override so normally it lives in the normal position yes. and basically um the normal position the drop down mass deploy when the app the uh, altimeter valve inside the pressurization control system reaches 14,500 feet automatically they drop so
0: yeah, and that's pretty much standard amongst all corporate jets and that's something that's more than likely in part 25
1: under certification that they have to deploy at a certain altitude yeah so one thing and and i know everybody's seen this before and and maybe you just don't pay attention to it anymore when you're when you're listening to the flight attendants do their safety briefing but they always talk about you know when the mass drops down pull it towards you there's a very important reason why, yeah, Tim. Why do they want to pull it towards them, so you don't suffocate? No, <laughs> that's, <part laughs> well, of it. Well, some that's true. It. That's true. But what specifically? T- what's happening with that tubing that comes down? You're pulling a pin,
0: and when you pull that pin, that allows oxygen to flow to your mask. Otherwise, because uh, think of it this way: if you, if that wasn't there every mask that fell down that wasn't in use would be delivering oxygen. You don't want that. So you pull that pin towards you and that opens the flow of oxygen to your mask. So the oxygen supply, well, in our airplanes, the oxygen supply for um, people using it will last
1: longer. Right. Airlines are a little bit different. Yes. So in an airline, um, I'm I'm an ex-airline pilot, one of the things that we had above each passenger, and and they talk about this every single time that you come on to an airliner, is if if the mask drops down, you pull it towards you. And what that's doing is pulling a pin. And actually what's happening above every single person's head, and you know, this is something you don't even notice, is that a chemical reaction is occurring. And basically what's happening is sodium chlorate is a chemical. It's heated to 350 degrees Fahrenheit. It thermally decomposes and releases oxygen, and that's what you're breathing. the The really key thing is is that oxygen the, that that the basically that um, the the passenger service unit uh, oxygen only lasts for 12 minutes. So that's why aircraft have to descend so rapidly down to a safe breathing altitude. Tim, is that that. That oxygen generator that is above every single passengers head first of all it doesn't turn on automatically you have to pull the pin and when you pull the pin a little firing mechanism happens and that allows for a percussion cap to to start a a chain reaction that chemical reaction we're talking about but that chain reaction only happens for 12 minutes that's why you got to get down so fast in an airliner we're not the same though in a corporate jet what what do we have tim
0: we have an oxygen tank could be in the nose a tail or our airplane, it's up in the nose um that oxygen tank is the same tank that we get air from or oxygen from and the passengers get
1: oxygen from that tank and the therapeutic oxygen they all come from that tank right so it's very different from an airliner to a corporate jet um you know how how these systems work but even in a corporate jet, you have to pull the the, the tubing towards you because that's basically pulling that same pin that we were talking about. The pin does a different thing in a corporate jet. It basically opens a valve up, which brings oxygen to your face. Whereas in an airliner, you're starting that chemical reaction with that oxygen generator, kind of a different thing. But the whole in idea opinion. is the same effect. You're not going to live unless you put that mask on and pull it towards you. To release the pin, just start the flow of oxygen. Very, very important.
0: Yes, and also keep your seatbelt on at all times when you're in in your seat. They always say, oh, you can seatbelt signs turned off. You can get out and walk around. I say keep your seatbelt on. That's, that's what I do. I, I keep my seat Even oh, on I airliner, I, I keep my seatbelt on because you never know when you're going to hit a turbulence or in recent
1: events, you never know when a plug type door is going to blow off. No, you don't. So I think we've covered a lot of things here today. We talked about pressurization. We talked about oxygen. We talked about time of useful consciousness. Uh, we would encourage anybody who have any questions about this to contact us through the many different ways. The corporate pilot guys podcast at gmail.com. Uh, the the newest and latest version uh, to contact us is via Discord, and that will link will be in the show notes. We're also going to include a few things uh some faa oxygen brochures and the show notes as well anything to add tim not really
0: you took all the words out of my mouth uh i do appreciate it when people take the time to get on discord and ask questions and it's nice having discord because it's not just us that will answer you other listeners that have shown up on the server prior to you will also join in on the discussion so that is uh a nice feature to get other perspectives as well. Absolutely.
1: Want to thank everybody for joining us back in 2024. Seems like it's incredible that we started back in 2022, but we're, we have. And we did. Uh, we're, we did, we did we a lot slower back then than, than now. We did, we did. We, did. We, did. We're, we seem to be on a roll here now, and we're going to continue the roll of uh, getting these out to everybody. Want to wish everybody a wonderful week. And, um, Thank you very much from Tim and Rob at the Corporate Pilot Guys podcast. Yeah. Thank you, everybody.